When I think about the parable of the sower, I imagine someone at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry saying to a friend, Reuben, or whatever, you must go and hear that Jesus speak. He's amazing. So after a few bursts of this, Reuben is persuaded and goes to listen to Jesus. And the next day his friend said, what do you think? Isn't he amazing? And Reuben says, well, not so much, actually. I don't see what all the fuss is about. I mean, I ask you, that one about a sower, what does he say? A farmer goes out and does what a farmer normally does around these parts, and there's a harvest. Well, of course there's a harvest. He wouldn't do it otherwise. Or the other one, a guy plants a seed in the ground and it grows into a plant and it produces a seed. Well, if it grew into a horse, that would be a miracle. Or a woman makes bread by mixing flour and yeast. If it was a man doing it, that would be a miracle. He's hardly Elijah or Amos or even John the Baptist, is he? You know, giving people what for. People have often found it hard to recognise, to discern God present in their world. Remember Gideon, how the angel appeared to him and said, Hail to you, you mighty man of valour, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, well, if the Lord is with us, where are all the wonderful things that used to happen in the past? Or Martha saying to Jesus after her brother Lazarus's death, if you had been here, or a decade before John Wesley's heartwarming experience. The Bishop of Bristol writing, England can scarcely be considered to be a Christian country anymore, and the only time that Christianity comes up as a subject for discussion is for people to scoff at it or to express amazement that it should have held the world in thrall for so long. And now, nowadays, we can explain so many things. People find it harder and harder to see God in anything. So back to the parable of the sower. When the disciples say, well, explain this parable to us, and Jesus seems to do so, have you noticed that the growing of the seed into the mature plant and bearing fruit for a harvest is left as mystery? It's not amazing that a farmer plants seed. It's not amazing that there are different types of soil. But it is amazing, it's wonderful that there's a harvest. The challenge of this parable is that we should recognise the presence and activity of the living God, not merely in the flashbang wallop miracles, if I may call them such, the earthquake, wind and fire from heaven but also in the seemingly ordinary working out of things. I remember when I was quite a small child, going with my family to a village in Somerset, and my father saying, look at the trout in the stream. And I looked at the stream, and I could see nothing but the gravel at the bottom of the clear stream. But because it was my father that said, look, and yes, don't make a noise, don't frighten it, the trout is there. I was obedient and I looked, 
I was patient and I kept looking. I believed my father. And suddenly, wonderfully, I saw the trout. It takes obedience, patience, belief to see God at work in our world. Earlier in the summer, we celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary. And uh, some of the people that sent us congratulations remembered our friend John Lloyd, who preached at our wedding, his message from the story of the wedding at Cana, do whatever he tells you. He used to love trying to tease Eleanor, saying that was going to be his message, do whatever he tells you. Of course, John meant do whatever Jesus tells you, and it was a message to both of us. When the servants in the story do what Jesus tells them to do without a fuss, the water becomes wine so easily, so naturally. The most wonderful thing happens, and it just seems ordinary. When the sower obeys his calling and sows the seed, in spite of all the ups and downs, there is a harvest. It follows naturally. So if we have ears and are ready to hear what God is saying, we follow Jesus. We do what he tells us. Jesus tells us to risk our treasure, to scatter the love of God far and wide, to love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us, to embrace those that we're at odds with, to love those we find unlovable. I wonder, was it harder for Saul of Tarsus to accept the body of Christ or for the body of Christ to accept Saul? And when we sow the seeds of love, there are often big disappointments, ups and downs, but there is a harvest. It may be that day by day the growth is virtually imperceptible. It may seem too ordinary, too natural to have anything to show of our supernatural God. But the harvest is the sign that God is present and our work, talking, talk, turning water into wine, turning a few into abundance, into enough and more than enough. I love the moment where Jesus says to the disciples, the fishermen disciples, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus, in his own earthly ministry, broke the rules of his day. He reached out to those labelled unclean. He welcomed women sitting at his feet as disciples. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He challenged the religious customs of his day when they interfered with kindness. He gave his life for others. This is how God works in the world, sowing seeds of love. So, risk what God has given you for the gospel. Who to you is the sinner? the tax collector, the traitor, the enemy, the persecutor, the person who is beyond your pale. For God is present here and at work now, and he wants you to be involved, risking those seeds of his love 
even in the least promising of places. The promises, the results will testify to the ongoing work of the God who called the world into being, who made human beings in his image, and who raised Jesus from the dead. Amen.